Shannon Tipton here, and welcome to the Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool L&D peeps hang out. While you're here, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future chats. Today, the cool kids are discussing coaching and mentoring for yourself and others. Coaching and mentoring are two very valuable tools for anyone's professional growth and development. They can help us unlock our full potential, identify our weaknesses, and really help us all to achieve success. Yet, when I talk to other L&D professionals, many tell me that it would be great to have one, but they don't have the time. Or perhaps they've really never seriously thought about the concept of having a coach and mentor to help them out. And it's not without irony that while we say that we aren't focused on finding a coach or mentor for ourselves. We are in the midst of developing mentoring and coaching programs for our own organizations. Perhaps it's time we eat our own dog food. So why is it that as an industry, many of us only pay lip service to the concept of professional growth and development for ourselves through coaching and mentoring, but lament the lack thereof within our own organizations. Because according to Forbes, 76% of the people think mentorships are important, but only 37% have one. So here's what I hear when we're talking about the subject to other L&D professionals. They tell me, I don't have time to work with a coach or a mentor. I don't have the money, or I've got this handled. I am okay. Many just aren't comfortable talking about their weaknesses with others. They're afraid it might put them in a bad position at work, or maybe they feel as though they're too old, dot, dot, dot. So now, the big question on the table is, how can L&D maximize the value of working with a coach or mentor for their own professional growth and development? And what are some effective strategies that we can use for building a coaching or mentoring program that can be sustainable within our own organizations. So without further ado, let's get to it. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where we are going to be talking about coaching and mentoring today not only coaching and mentoring for the greater good, but coaching and mentoring for ourselves also. So that is the topic of the day today. And I wrote the blog post this week covering one, a couple of the differences between coaching and mentoring, because we have a tendency to use those terms interchangeably. And really they are different things right? Because we're looking to achieve different goals when we have a coach versus a mentor. And then also just sort of a a question to the universe as to, as L&D professionals, many of us, if not all of us, has at one time or another put together a mentoring program or mentoring guidelines or tips or something along those lines in regards to how we can make better use of mentors within organizations. Yet, 
when I asked the greater good, where are you with mentoring yourself? Most of you don't have one. You don't have one for yourselves. You don't have a coach. It's like, wait a second. Are we at this, like our parents do as I say, not as I do? Is that where we are at? And if so, why? You know, why? Because we know through our own independent research and our own anecdotal evidence as we see it happening within our organizations, the power of mentoring and the power of coaching. So why is it that we are not living by our own advice? So that was one question that I had for the universe. And then the other question was, okay, ourselves aside, why is it so difficult to get traction with mentoring programs, coaching programs within our organization? So it's sort of a, a twofer today. So let's start, let's start with ourselves. Let's go there first and talk about ourselves. So I, I would love to hear from you guys. What's the dealio? What's the dealio with ourselves and finding a mentor? What's the hard part? What holds you back? I don't mind going first. I think I have two issues. One, and I've reached out to mentors before and I do want one, but I have, if y'all do uh, strength finders, my woo is off the charts. Like I'm, I'm a very strong personality. I also am a little unfocused. So for example, (laughs) my last therapist just stopped texting me. Like she just stopped texting me. So I don't know if I scare people off. There's that. I come across very strong and I am, but I'm also unfocused. I'm not always sure what I need a mentor for. And so that's mm. that's where I am. So it's totally on me. I'm not blaming the mentors, but I have reached out and they just sort of flutter away. So obviously I'm reaching out to the wrong people. So what do you think, Shannon? What do, what do I do? <laughs> well, I don't know about your therapist. I <laughs> definitely need a new therapist. Well, she one time told me, and I'll leave it at this. She goes, one time. She goes, you make me wonder what I'm doing with my life. And I kind of like, huh, what does that mean? I think the role, because I end up becoming their therapist because I make them Uh, laugh. Anyway, it doesn't, we'll take that topic off. We'll we'll take that topic off. (laughs) But, you know, I think you're right. And I'm really curious as to your all's opinion on this is finding a mentor. It's easy to say, go out, find a mentor. Finding the right mentor becomes the hard bit, you know? And so I think for, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak for myself, it's a matter of knowing, you do have to know what you want. What are you looking for, you know, out of a mentoring relationship? And then it's trial and error sometimes. And that's, that's the way that I went about it. And I, when I found the person who I consider a mentor in my life, it was purely by accident. It wasn't somebody who I tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, I'd like for you to to help me out. It was by accident. One of the things that I started to go into with the blog, and then I realized that the blog was turning into an ebook, so I stopped, is that it's about knowing who you are first and then also setting some guidelines. This is what I'm looking for. This is how I can contribute. This is the investment I'm willing to make as far as time, et cetera. You know, so you have this strategy map, if you will, you know, for a mentoring relationship, right? And it's like, who's, what kind of personality am I best suited to? And also not necessarily, again, about tapping that person on the shoulder. It's that serendipity that goes with it. 
not unlike our relationship, Donna. So it's, we found each other by accident, right? We found that we liked each other. So we started talking here and there, dropping a few emails here and there. And then the next thing you know, we're buds. So it kind of builds. And then, then comes the moment of, oh, I wonder if Donna would make a good mentor for me. Maybe I should talk to her about that. So then you have this sort of layering that goes goes into the development of a mentoring or a coaching relationship. So I think that there's something to that. Jennifer, I see your hand. I have found success in actually a little bit like you were saying, where you're stumbling upon these relationships. So I'll usually end up just saying, you know, I really like your creativity. Do you think we could meet like twice a year or once a quarter and we'll just talk about it? But I actually have very different people for very different things. So that'll be I've got one person who's in marketing when I want to go be creative and see what other people are doing. You know, Mm -hmm. when I'm feeling a little bit of imposter syndrome, I'll go towards somebody else. And we all have different times. So so that has actually been more successful for me Mm -hmm. than going up to a stranger or not a stranger and being like, hey, do you want to marry me even before going on a first date, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what it is. It's like this all-encompassing kind of like mentorship. Um, And it really is intimidating for some people who don't know. They don't know what they're taking on. So if you can kind of break it down, I've found a lot more success. So there's actually a third one that we talk about here at work and then additional to coaching and mentoring is actually the advocate. So who knows about what you do? So not only what you know, but who knows what you know? So people who are talking about you in the background and who are saying, Shannon is really great in this space. And and so it, it brings this advocacy even when you're not in the room. I love that. That's fun that somebody possibly could be doing that and talking behind your back. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that having the advocate for you. And I think you bring up a couple of good points there, Jennifer. It's, it doesn't have to be meeting with a mentor every or a coach every, you know, every week. It could be once a month. It could be a few times a year, like you said. And also, I think it's important to point out that it doesn't have to be forever. Maybe you have a particular goal that you are trying to meet and you have met that goal. And maybe the mentor turns into more of a friend than a mentoring relationship. It reaches its natural conclusion, right? There was a document that I put out with the newsletter that went out earlier this week. And that was supplied by our very own JD. So I see JD over there. So thank you, JD, for allowing me to share that with the group. And JD, I know you've got some thoughts around, you know, mentoring relationships because you're working on that within your organization. And we'll and we'll talk about that in the in part two of our chat today. But do you have any thoughts about personal mentorships? I guess personally, and the conversation sounds so far like it's it's uh, referencing to those organic relationships. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious about putting this back to everybody else about whether or not they see value in potentially assigning because we're at a potential point where I think that's going to happen. And would those relationships be as valuable if they're kind of forced or assigned Mm -hmm. rather Mm -hmm. than just organic? Because I think organic is is where we're hoping to go. But that initial push for uh, an internal program, I think, is going to end up being you're assigned to you, you're assigned there. Kind of curious about how everybody feels about the difference between assigning mentor-mentee relationships and those individuals picking their own. Right. We'll put a pin in that. 
Okay. When we move to talking about building mentoring programs within our organizations or mentoring within organizations. Oh, and incidentally, for those who may be listening later and also for you here, we did a coffee chat about creating mentoring programs several months ago. I don't know how long ago that was, but it's out there. So I'll be sure and put that in the resources as a follow-up. But it's interesting that you bring up technology though, JD, because there are programs out there. And that was another part of the blog that I didn't feel like I wanted to expand on. But if you go back to the LinkedIn post that I put out, I think yesterday, one of the comments in there brought forward a few different mentoring software programs, not for organizations, but for yourself. You know, so if you're looking to connect with somebody, maybe in a different industry, maybe it's you're looking for that marketing help or coaching for building a certain skill set, then maybe that might be the place to go. And there's several out there. So that's another way to think about it. It's, you know, maybe I need to find, maybe I do need to find somebody formal, right? You know, maybe the, this informal route is not working for me. When I think about the person who is my biggest mentor right now, it was a happenstance. It was someone, it is someone who I previously admired from afar. So kind of like that stalker sort of situation. It's like, oh, there, there she is. I'm going to see what's, see what's happening there. And we met through Twitter, but then we met live at a conference and I went up to her and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm actually having a conversation with, and I use the word the insert name here. And then I said, and my name is, and she's like, well, I can't believe I'm having a conversation with the Shannon Tipton. And it's like, oh no, 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 don't, don't even put me in that universe. That's, that's not the same. And what stuck with me is that she immediately came out with, well, I can understand why you might say that. However, you have value. So don't, don't undervalue yourself when you say things like that. And that was a moment where I thought, I need to have this person in my life. And then, then it was, let's just talk. Let's communicate. We communicated through Twitter and, and all those other things. And then there became a moment where gradually I started asking her for advice about my business and about my life, et cetera, et cetera. And so it evolved to that. So I think there's there's something to be said about that gradual process of, is this person somebody who you can relate to, somebody you really want in your life? And if you want this person in your life, then maybe, you know, there there's a candidate for being a mentor, right? So just throwing that out there. Tom, I saw that you had a nice comment in here. So would you like to expand on that? You want me to expand on that? I just read the article just a second. It, it came in. It was an excellent article. I mean, it was talking about the characteristics of what a mentor is. And, you know, JD's question was about assigning a mentor. And I think if the person has the characteristics described in there, I mean, it really touched on what I've seen as good mentoring in uh, my experience in the workplace. You're in an interesting position. I think that this is worth talking about. So you made the shift. You work in an entirely different industry than you used to work in. How did you manage that transition? Did you have somebody to help you with that transition? I did. It was not a formal mentoring. Trust me. Mm -hmm. There is no mentor in the field that I currently work in that I know of. Uh, but I did find the man who wrote the book on wind energy, which is the field I'm now working in. And I made a friendship with him online. 
So it was all by email. I've only recently met him. He came and took our tour and then wrote a beautiful article about how impressed he was by the tour. But his knowledge is what informed the tour. So he should be proud of it. <laughs> and he was. So it was it was kind of a fluke, but it certainly wasn't a formal mentor. I don't think he would consider himself my mentor. Uh, we literally just met. But I do think I'm going to go on a hike in Tehachapi with him in a couple of weeks. See, and I love that. I, and I think mentoring doesn't have to take this cookie cutter shape. You know, it's it's what fits for you and what fits for them. Well, I know in my early career when I first began, and this predates my going into learning and development, I was assigned a mentor who was supposed to show me the ropes, and he just didn't have the time for me. It's not who he was. He should not have been assigned to be my mentor. And that that was nothing but annoying. I ended up finding another mentor who was good, but didn't work in the field that I really wanted to go into or was working in. Mm -hmm. Exactly. When we're thinking about this for ourselves, it's really understanding who you are first, or at least having some ground knowledge. And I realize that we choose mentors sometimes to help us discover ourselves and discover the power within ourselves. But I think first and foremost, it's it's knowing where it fits in your life and the direction that you want mentoring to go in. And as I loosely stated in the post, it's sometimes it is finding someone who's opposite of you, you know, somebody who's unafraid to challenge. And I do have people like that in my life. And I do appreciate that, you know, where somebody can raise an eyebrow going, are you sure about that? You know, and actually Anne is one of those people so I don't I don't see her on screen right now, but she's one of those people where I'll talk to her. She'll be like, are you sure about that? And so it's I appreciate that. And we all need that person, you know, to be around us. And maybe it's not a mentoring relationship, but it's it's still a good relationship to have somebody who can keep you honest. Right. You know, and to have that side of it. Tom, age goes out the window, but experience becomes mutual respect for each other. It does. It, and age we can learn from younger generations or generations above us, you know, there's always place to learn. And it's a matter of whether or not you're open to that learning. All right. Oh, let me ask you this. What's our next action from this? Now what? You know, it's been a minute and a half since I've had a mentor. I think a big reason why I like then get a knee-jerk response to it, Shannon, is because I think then there's a the sense of I'm being a burden that I bring to the table, uh, like not able to square that away in, in my head and feeling like, because if everything is so fast paced and, you know, information is fire hose as we all use, you know, it's like, do I really want to be another piece of that fire hose to another individual? That's a good point. And so I think that that's where like in the blog and the resource about like, how we can try to do some of that foundational footwork so that we can try to start off on the right foot so that we don't maybe connect to that idea of feeling like a burden to somebody um, who might be open. And I think it's always important if we do and ask saying something like, and if this is something that isn't, you know, okay for you or doable for you, or if this is not the time for you to please um, feel free to let me know, right? Like giving a person permission to be able to say no, I think is hugely important mm -hmm. when we are doing some sort of ask. I think you raised such a good point. And I'm really curious to hear what everybody else on the call has to say. 
you just rang a big bell with me, Erica, because I'm sure I'm not the only one because I saw nodding heads here where it's like, oh my God, I just cannot talk to this person about this because it would it's just a burden. I, I cannot eat up any more of their time on this. And I'm, I'm not the only one. Victoria, I saw you nodding. How, how do you reconcile that? How do you have that conversation, internal conversation? I literally just came off of my uh, coaching call with my coach right before this. And I'm like, oh, trying okay. vigorously to pay attention to this, but I'm also processing what, what had just happened because I always feel like it, I'm one of those people that I, I almost have to ask for permission or ask for space. And this is something I continually struggle with with my coach because I, I get so much value out of it. And then I feel like he he gives and gives and gives. And then I'm like, oh, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. And he's finally, he finally just said to me, he goes, I get so much enjoyment out of this. You're filling my cup by letting me help you. Nice. Please continue to show up and do the work. I mean, there have been a couple of rounds of this, but I'm finally at the point where I'm going, I have the right to ask for what I need. And, and this person is doing this because this is giving them fulfillment. Let's do this for each other. But it took me a while to get there. I appreciate that. And it sounds like you have a really good coach. I do. It, it should be a two-way street. I think you should be filling each other's cup. And it sounds like you've got a wise person on the other end of the line there. So good on you. Congratulations. Well, I'm lucky because it was a former colleague and who's also become a friend and a coach, but that also adds having those various relationships also adds a layer of complexity too. And so knowing which, which mm -hmm. lane are we in when we meet and what's okay to talk about in that given space versus not, there do need to be some boundaries. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. And Maureen, Maureen, you put something interesting in the chat about reverse mentoring. Yeah. So that's more for like the older or more seasoned uh, workers and actually even at like the executive levels of the organization um, in order to be, you know, I mean, social media and having a presence online is a big part of a company's brand now. And so like it was even, at, again, the executive level that they've taken on reverse mentors. So they've partnered with somebody who's fairly new or they might be like, you know, the Gen Z or that they learn from them, you know, the ins and outs of, mm -hmm. of posting and, and social media. And it's just done in a way. So it's, it's mutually beneficial because then the mm -hmm. kind of the younger person appreciates um, where the older person is. And then also to be vulnerable as an executive of the company to be asking of that from somebody who's a relatively new hire is just, it's just a nice um, relationship to establish. And so, which also reminds me, there's a wonderful movie at this point. It's probably 15 years old, maybe more, but it's called In Good Company. And it is about the importance of having a mentor. And so the younger person ends up coming in and being more of the leader. But what they are lacking is that maturity and even the ability to connect with other people. So they end up learning from the Dennis Quaid character, the importance of having that mentorship. This is why I advocate for people to join conversations like this one, certainly not exclusive to, you know, to Learning Rebels, but there are other ones that happen like this. Uh, you know, join communities, network, go to conferences, you know, meet people, and you don't have to do it live, right? And I think the, the pandemic kind of threw us all for a loop. It's like, oh, okay, those, those who weren't used to communicating in this particular type of venue, you know, it, it might be a struggle for some. 
now we're all kind of used to it. So now it's a matter of just jumping in. And if you are a member of your local ATD chapter, right, they do virtual events. So there are just so many ways. And one of the other comments that I think that was also on that LinkedIn post was don't underestimate some of your side relationships, like your golf coach or, you know, the person who you see every day at the library. You know, you never know who's going to be your next right hand. So I think that there's an argument to be made. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about the last coffee chat, which is about that serendipitous moment, right? We we can't make those un, unexplored discoveries if we aren't present in the moment. And the same thing goes for mentoring, I think, is that if we're unaware of who we surround ourselves with, then finding someone to help us becomes exponentially more difficult. Erica. Everybody brings value. Everybody has an opportunity to provide that particular level of of whatever it is that they do well or or how they see things. And so if we can take a look at our, our networks, our tribes, our groups, our bubbles, our rebels, and our communities, that maybe some of those individuals on the periphery might be something where we want to explore because maybe there is something there that provides another sense of value to something that might be mentorship, where if it's in the, a person who's in the same space, I think also another thing that came up for me, Shannon, is that maybe sometimes we feel weird about it because we're worried it's competitive. So if right. you're like trying to reach out to somebody who is within mm-hmm. the same space, is this going to look like an adversarial type of situation? Mm-hmm. Or if it's somebody who might be in a different industry or sector, that might remove that sense from the table. Mm-hmm. So then I guess I want to ask, like, how do we help to make sure that people reaching out to those within our same industry, that we can reduce that idea of an adversarial type of situation so that it can feel inclusive and then also maybe helping to reduce that idea of a burden of asking, you know, right. somebody. I think that's a great question. And that's a great dovetail, great lead in to talking about mentoring within our organizations. Because I think that that's one of the barriers, you know, in starting a mentoring program within organizations is that innate competitiveness. And when we think about starting mentor programs within our organizations, do we know what really, do we really know the underpinning characteristics, the underpinning characteristics of your organizational culture? Because that's going to impact your mentoring program. So if your organizational culture does not support collaboration, cooperation, communication, then mentoring is going to be difficult at best. So what do we do about that? And I think to uh, JD's question then, that a lot of times that's where, you know, organizations say, well, let's put something formal in place because it's not happening organically. And that's because your culture doesn't support organic mentoring. So I think that that's the, the first place that we have to start. So I'm curious now, so shifting shifting the tide here with our conversation is what is it that we need to start looking for uh, with formal mentoring programs or even informal mentoring programs within our organizations? What's been your experience? 
with that, we actually just uh, launched a, an informal mentorship program within my department. And it really stemmed from an initiative last year where we felt there's a, a sentiment that there's not a lot of talent mobility uh, opportunity within our organization. And so you know, people wanting to know kind of what, what other things are out there and what skills might you need to move into some of the other roles. And then it eventually progressed into, well, what if we did just an informal peer mentorship program? And so I sat on the committee to kind of help stand that up. And essentially what we did was we put out a survey asking people, well, what are some of the skills or, or things that you want to learn about? So kind of doing, you know, getting a sense of what people were looking for. And then we had other people say, well, I have, I have a background in that, or this is a passion of mine, or I can, I can talk to you about that. And so we use those topics and areas of interest as the ways to match people. Um, and mm-hmm. so some of them are one-on-one and some of them are actually small, small groups. So I'm actually mentoring two people myself and we're just trying it for about a period of six months. And so mm-hmm. far uh, feedback has been pretty good. So we're just starting small and going from there. I think that's the best way to approach it, right? And I believe what you might be talking about is really providing people with specific coaching. You know, so if you're helping them with a skill or if you're helping them grow in a certain area, that becomes more coaching, you know, because mentoring is a little bit more broad. I want to help you, you know, fulfill career aspirations type of thing. But if you, you know, are trying to be more targeted and maybe, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth there, Victoria, it's. Maybe that's the paradigm shift we need to make because organizations get hung up and saying we need to have these mentoring programs. Maybe we need to scale this down and start with coaching. Maybe we need to have coaching programs. You know, coaching that's that, like you said, Victoria, it's I'm going to focus on this, this skill, this skill, this skill, this skill. And we have this inventory of people who are willing to share those skills with others. And maybe that becomes less intimidating. I think we have to change the perception of the word coaching. Okay. Because coaching is a very negative connotation for a lot of people. They're True. being coached for towards their performance because they're doing something wrong rather than coaching to improve themselves. I mean, Good point. In the graphic you provided in your in your blog about you know for under coaching it's business or sports. I think we need to lean more towards the sport is that coach is there to help you get better. Not because you're doing it wrong, but because you want to get to another level. You want to improve. That's such an excellent point. You're absolutely right. Coaching sometimes takes this punitive connotation. What's the alternative? Do you have an alternative in your mind? That's where it just becomes us changing the narrative about what it is, changing the experience around coaching instead of calling something a peer mentoring program, calling it a peer coaching, but framing it in a way that the experience becomes a better for people. And it changes that, that paradigm mm-hmm. changes that, that thought process. Uh, I've been stuck on uh, the results triangle for the last few weeks of how do we change people's experiences? So their beliefs are different so that the res- their actions are different so that the results are different and right between there so that we change the culture around what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I think the other hangup is a lot of times these sorts of programs get thrown into our laps because, you know, we're, we're the learning people. So we should be able to handle this. And I believe the other misconception here is that L and D should own 
coaching and mentoring, which is not the case. That absolutely needs to be a cross the organization, you know, program. We might be able to support and nurture and provide guidance, but certainly it's not ours to own. It's not HRs to own either. I would say that leadership needs to own it, you know, because they need to behavior model that, right? And and that's, again, the other hard bit, especially when people come to us and say, we there's this expectation and we want to throw it back at them and say, okay, well, all right, what's the partnering relationship then? How do we partner with leadership to make this happen, right? So JD, what are your thoughts? We're just hopeful. <laughs> I guess I'm hopeful. And that's that's where ours is starting. It's very much involving our leadership, our executive team. The culture is towards collaboration. There, we have a lot of uh, teams, breakout teams, interdepartmental teams, but uh, nothing like this. But we, we're growing. We have a lot of new uh, managers. We have a lot of new executives. So part of that spin up for our program is to involve them. And the first hurdle was that to let them know what the difference between coaching and mentoring and and where we want to go with this program, the mm-hmm. expectations of our success for this program, and also the the understanding that it's it's a trial period. Mm-hmm. We are going to somewhat <laughs> make it uh, transactional. So we are going to assign people. They don't get to, to self-select, but hopefully that the awareness and building that experience about what it is and how it works may gain a little bit of traction with folks and they see and they see the value in it. My hope is it becomes and turns into something organic. It's the right fit, I think, at the right time for us. I'm pretty excited about all the research that I've done and what we're proposing. Uh, I think it's going to land big with our executive team and hopefully it will take off and we can have success. What do you do with the people who don't want to be mentors? Forcing those relationships doesn't add any value to either party. So that's something you kind of have to look at those failures and potential barriers for the program. We're reviewing those as we as we move forward. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's potential outcome. Right. And there are, I don't know if you're using a formal program, you know, like Mentor Scout or something along those lines. Yeah, where there's an application process. That's what I figured. And, and that's kind of outside my scope right now. But um, as we go f- deeper into this process and, and bring on more assets for our program, then I'll, I'll be able to know more, a little bit more. I, I think that's the direction that I would personally go in is to suggest that. Uh, so that, that way you at least ensure that people who have the desire, they may not have the skill set yet, but at least they have the desire, which is an important part to coach or mentor someone, you know? So I think that's would be my first starting point and my recommendation to leadership. Erica. I don't think JD, you should lament over the idea that this is a structured opportunity and that somehow it needs to evolve into organic. I think what I'm hearing you talk about and Shannon just put into play is the idea of 
allowing people to, you know, opt out or in. Um, but I think it also then comes to how are you educating individuals so that they can understand, right? What what is going to be their their time commitment? What is being asked of them? So there is going to be some salesmanship, obviously. Here, a lot of these relationships are very time bound, right? It, it's it's for some sort of episodic purpose. So if you can allow individuals to also recognize that their commitment is only going to be a certain time frame. Um, so I think what you're doing is you're actually taking away a lot of barriers for individuals, again, who would feel way too overwhelmed or feel, again, like they're being a burden to try to ask somebody at a different level within your organization. Um, so I think it's great. And, and I think we shouldn't shy away from these organized opportunities. I think it's a matter of, and then it sounds like Shannon in part two, what are we doing to help make sure that people aren't either feeling you know, ramshackled or um, to Jason's point where somebody's feeling like, um, you know, if they're going to participate in it, it's because they've done something wrong. Uh, get those negative connotations out of the structure of whatever this this type of formal opportunity um, is being provided, even on a small level, like Victoria's group has done. Great points. Great points. In a past organization that I worked with, we had a formal mentoring program. And what we did is everybody who wanted to be a mentor applied and people who wanted a mentor also applied. And it wasn't like an acceptance process. It was just like, you're raising your hand to say, I want it. And then Certain characteristics were matched up and bada bing, bada boom, people were, you know, connected. But I agree, Erica, I think it's a good place to start because then that does take away that, oh, I'm bothering somebody, you know, because you know that if you've been matched to the program, you're matched to somebody who wants to be there on both ends. So I think that does take away a perceived barrier. It is about getting leadership involved. And I'm glad to hear, JD, that, you know, your leadership is on board with that. Because there are some that treat it as, you know, oh, okay, oh, that little mentoring program, okay, all right, you know. So it's good to have complete buy-in with it. That's excellent. Well, time flies when you're having fun, and we are at the we are at the top of the hour. So thank you for joining us. And as always, if you want to see what happens with these conversations, these conversations do continue in our uh, Learning Rebels community space where we have our monthly learning themes. And this month was all about coaching and mentoring. So we had some pretty, we had some pretty good conversations around that topic this month. So I'm really excited to have seen those conversations evolve. And uh, uh, for the rest of you, I invite you to join us into the community. On that note, I hope everybody has a wonderful Friday. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Those of you who are new, thank you. I hope you found this time valuable. I always love having conversations with you guys. It really is an energizing hour for me, and it makes me want to go and tackle my day. So thank you for being there. Any good plans this weekend, anybody? Any good plans? Drinking. I'm prepared. I've got to, I've got to be in uh, London on Monday, so I'm trying to make sure that I got all my stuff Thank you, everyone, for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. This was interesting on so many levels. The conversation around developing a coaching or mentoring relationship seems to be fraught with landmines and questions. Where do I go? What do I do? How do I start? 
But before we go forth and search for a coach or mentor, I suggest you go back to the Learning Rebels blog about coaching and mentoring and refresh your memory about the differences. Are you looking for help with a specific skill? Perhaps you need a coach. Do you need help with your career? Then perhaps you need a mentor. Because it's important to know your why. And I say know your why rather than know your goal because sometimes we discover that the goal we set for ourselves is not really the goal that will get us from here to there. And a good coach or mentor will help us find the right path. There is also a fair amount of talk about taking professional relationships to a mentoring level. This is a smart start, and I like the idea of building up the relationship first. But before we go tapping on somebody's shoulder to be your next mentor, first try to build and nurture that connection first. This way you know if the person fits your style, fits your needs, right? Then on the business side, we could all agree that not everyone makes for a good mentor when it comes to mentoring programs, even if they have the best of intentions. In the show notes below, there is a link to a mentor-mentee checklist. How we handle the initial conversation becomes critical because as the group pointed out, Sometimes coaching can be seen as a punitive action. People do something wrong, and therefore they must be coached. Be aware of this type of baggage before implementing any formal coaching or mentoring program. Because everyone comes to work to succeed, and we all need a little help to make success happen. Well, you want to join us live? And you know you do. Go on over to learningrebels.com and check out the events page and sign on up. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now.